A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. God, I pray that you would be with us as we look upon this familiar story the story that has become such a part of our Christmas traditions. We pray that you would help us to find something fresh, something relevant, something that would challenge us in how we live as Christians. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas. Now you might be wondering, wait a minute, Merry Christmas, what are you doing? This is the second Sunday after Christmas. How can this be Christmas? Well, actually, as the song goes, there are 12 days of Christmas. It starts on December 25th, and technically Christmas doesn't end until January 6th. So we are right in the midst of Christmas. And when I think of Christmas, I think of nativity scenes. I always enjoyed nativity scenes. I like to look at the different figures that would be a part of it, And we'd have baby Jesus and Joseph and Mary and the angels and the shepherd and the wise men. Now, all of us have our favorites when we look at those figures. But the the ones that often were interesting to me were those of the wise men. And yet, even as we look at that, as we see that nativity scene, we see the, the wise men standing beside the shepherds. I hate to break this to you, but it's not likely that the wise men were there that night. They probably weren't there at the same time as the shepherds. And I might be ruining your Christmas, but that's likely what is it. And not only that, there probably wasn't just three of them. Maybe there was three, but we don't know. The Bible never actually says how many wise men there were. And not only that, uh, they were not kings. That was not really a, a good translation for what they were. So the next time you sing, we three, king, we three kings, just remember, it's probably not that accurate. It's a great song anyways. But even though some of the traditional interpretations of how things went are probably not so accurate 
there is a, an important story for us in this passage, something that is extremely important to us about how we live as Christians. So we're going to take a look at this. So we have these visitors, however many there were, they come to see the young Jesus. And as I said, they're not kings. There's no reason to think that they were kings. That would be a, a bad translation, even though there is beauty in the idea of kings coming before the infant king and bowing down and worshiping him. We can see how there would be beauty in that story, but that's probably not the way it is. It is actually more accurate to refer to them as wise men, although the literal title that is given for them is that of magi. Now, what in the world are magi? Well, the word magi actually refers to Persian priests of an ancient religion in that land, in the land of Persia. And so they were called magi. But by this time, that word was used for a wider range of people than just the priests of that particular religion. Uh, it could refer to wise men in general. And by the way, I say wise men instead of wise people here because in that patriarchal society, it is most often it's going to be referring to men. So even though uh, we accept that, uh, that men and women are equally wise, in this particular culture, it is referring to men. So these were wise men. They were also probably, and this is based on what we know of ancient cultures and also what Matthew shares for us in this gospel, that they were likely astrologers. Now, that might freak you out when you hear that these wise men were astrologers, but don't be thinking about Gene Dixon. Don't be thinking about newspaper predictions about what your life is going to be like. You have to realize that in the ancient world, there really was no clear distinction between astronomy and astrology. Today, those things are very far apart. In the ancient world, they were much closely connected. And so these people here who are coming to visit Jesus, they would probably think of themselves more as scientists than as psychics. So just kind of keep that in mind. What we do know about them is that they were probably Gentiles. They may have come from the uh, the city of Babylon. We don't know for sure, uh, but uh, it is possible. It's something that scholars think that might have happened. But we do know that they were Gentiles, meaning that they are non-Jews. Now, it's really interesting when we compare Matthew and Luke, because there are the two gospel writers that give us the story of Jesus's birth. When we look at how they, they share different aspects, that Matthew has the wise men and Luke has the shepherds. And why that's interesting is because Luke is the one who's really interested in non-Jews like Samaritans and Gentiles, and Luke himself was a Gentile. Matthew was very Jewish, and he was very interested in the Jewish background for Jesus. And yet, it is this Jewish Matthew who shares the story of the Gentile wise men, and it is the Gentile Luke who shares the story about the Jewish shepherds. So it's kind of interesting that that would happen, but it actually makes sense, because what Matthew is trying to do is to demonstrate that Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies, the prophecies of the Old Testament. And those prophecies refer to the welcoming of the Gentiles. We also see this when we go back 
a, uh, a chapter in Matthew to the genealogy. And in that genealogy, we find something very interesting. We see that there are four mention of women in that genealogy. And that's very unusual because in the ancient world, all they cared about were the men in the genealogy. Uh, it didn't matter about the women who were in the family tree because it was through the men that the actual line would come down. And so uh, it's interesting that Matthew would include these four women. And so that we automatically notice that. But it's not just that they are women. It's that all four of those women are Gentile women. They are all non-Jews in the genealogy of Jesus. And again, this is going back to what Matthew is trying to demonstrate, that Jesus is a fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies talking about Gentiles being welcomed in. In the Jewish world, Gentiles were seen as the outsiders, and the outsiders are being welcomed to come into the inside. Now, another thing that's very interesting in this passage is that these Gentile wise men refer to Jesus as the king of the Jews. And I didn't realize this until I was doing my preparation for this sermon. But the only ones in the New Testament that refer to Jesus as the king of the Jews are Gentiles. They're the only ones. So we have it here with the wise men, but we also have it at the, um, the, uh, the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, Pontius Pilate and the Roman soldiers, they refer to Jesus as the king of the Jews. The sign that is put on the cross is a reference to Jesus as the king of the Jews. And it's put on in three different languages so that everyone would see that that would happen. This concept of Jesus as the king of the Jews was a call to the Gentiles, a call to the outsiders to come to who Jesus was and to understand that. Now, you know that I love to dig into this biblical background. I love to look at the original context. I love to look how the scriptures connect with one another. But we also need to look at the application. We need to understand what does this mean for us? That's all fine and dandy that there are all these connections with the Persian Magi and with Babylon and with astrology and Matthew and Luke and Gentiles and all of those things. But what does that mean for us? What do we do as Queen Street Baptist Church or whoever you may be who is watching this? What do we do with this information that has been given to us? Well, these Magi, these wise men, these Gentiles, they are symbols for outsiders, for people who are considered to be outside of the inside crowd. The Jewish people had developed their culture in such a way that there were strong barriers between who was on the inside and who was on the outside. And there were reasons for that. It helped to protect who they were, their identity, and all of those things. And many of those rules were given by God himself. But God also wanted them to reach out, to reach out to the outsider, to reach out to the Gentiles. And we have all kinds of passages in the Old Testament that talk about that. And we find that the Jews didn't do that, that they were content with being just on the inside. Now, there's a danger when we talk about that, that we could seem anti-Jewish, as if we're overly critical about how the Jews did with that. 
And yet the truth is that Christians have been just as bad. We are just as comfortable keeping those on the inside on the inside and keeping those on the outside on the outside. It is something that is comfortable for us when we can keep people to be exactly the same on the inside and those who are different keep them on the outside. In fact, when we look at the book of Acts, and we are in a series on the book of Acts, and we'll be continuing that uh, throughout 2021, we'll see in Acts that there was an ongoing struggle of the church not knowing what to do about those who are on the outside. What do they do about the followers of John the Baptist? What do they do about the Samaritans? What do they do about the Gentiles? What do they do about other Jewish Christians who are willing to accept the Gentiles and these ongoing conflicts that are going on? And the the truth is that those conflicts did not end in the first century. Throughout church history, we have seen this ongoing struggle to to keep those walls up so that the people on the inside are there and protected from those who are on the outside. And so we have to ask, as a modern church, as Queen Street Baptist Church, as the Christian church in general in 2021, who are our Gentiles? Who are the outsiders when we Uh, think about that. Who is it who makes us uncomfortable? If you think about how the people in the first century there were thinking about uh, these other people that they saw on the outside, who are they for us? Who are the people that when we come into a church building and someone sits beside us, someone we don't know, who is it that would make us uncomfortable? Who would we see as someone who is on the outside? Uh, Who would make us a little bit uh, uncomfortable in the way things were going, that we are feeling like uh, we want things to remain the same. Uh, It could be anyone. It could be a a homeless person. It could be a person from another culture. It could be a person from another religion. It could be a person with a disability. It could be someone from LGBTQ. There are all kinds of options of things that might make people uncomfortable, people that you might see as being on the outside. And yet the message of this story is about welcoming those who are on the outside. That's what happened in the in those early months of Jesus's life, that these Gentile wise men were welcomed to come and to worship Jesus. And we need to be doing the same thing. We have to remember that there is no wrong kind of people. We cannot point our fingers at a certain group in society and say, they're not the kind of people that we want in our congregation. There is no such thing as that. In fact, when we look back at Jesus's ministry, we see he kept getting in trouble from those who were on the right kind of people for spending too much time with those who were the wrong kind of people. And Jesus didn't care. He just kept ministering to those who needed that ministry. And that is the same pattern that is given to us. As a a pastor, I've received uh, criticism over the years in different areas. Most of the time it's about my singing, but sometimes it's about something that's a little bit more serious. And there was one time a person sent me a message criticizing me that I was putting too much emphasis on the poor and on people with disabilities. And this person said that's no way to build a church by focusing on groups like that. And it was meant as an insult, but I'll tell you, 
I took it as a compliment. I took it as a sign that I was on the right track and I was doing what I was supposed to do. And that is the challenge for us as a church. 2,000 years ago, wise men came to Jesus. Gentiles, perhaps from Babylon, we don't know. Magi, astrologers, they became a beloved part of our Christmas story. Oftentimes when we read that story, we focus on the gifts that they gave to Jesus, of the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. But what about the gift that Jesus gave them? What about his welcoming of them, accepting their worship? What about the fact that God called them? And when we look at it, at the story, it's obvious that this wasn't an accidental meeting up, that God deliberately led them to Jesus. That was a gift. It was the welcoming of outsiders. And for us as a church, our job is the same thing, is to continue that, to welcome the outsiders, to not focus on people who are exactly like us, but to welcome those who might not normally have been with us. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the story of the wise men, of the Magi, that you worked so hard with that star to bring them to Bethlehem, to come to Jesus, to bow before him, to worship him. We thank you that you took those who others would have seen on the outside and accepted their worship. We pray, Lord, that you would help us as a church to welcome the outsider, to go out of our way, to make, feel, make people feel comfortable, and to remind them there, there is a place for all at the foot of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.